Good morning, Christchurch. This might be a familiar line or two to you from prayer, from Psalms. O Lord, make speed to save me. O God, make haste to help me. So let's do it together again. O Lord, make speed to save me. O God, make haste to help me. This is one of the simplest prayers when we don't know how to pray or can't summon the will to pray or the words to pray. This is enough just in a moment to speak it out. Oh, God, make haste to help me. And I've had my share of those kind of moments where I couldn't find the will or the words, but I could say that to the Lord. Oh, God, make haste to help me. We need help. Because we are harassed by the chaos of the world. You just look at everything going on around us, globally, domestically. Fears of financial hardship harass us. We're harassed by feelings of regret, of shame, relational strain. These are all things that can feel like they're harassing us. We're harassed by the power of parts of ourselves that are indulgent or selfish or thoughtless. All these things can feel like harassment for us that we might cry out and say, oh God, make haste to help me. Sometimes we feel helpless in the face of these things. We need rescue. We need help. So we just heard in the gospel from Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus went through all the villages and the towns and he was telling everyone about the good news of the kingdom and healing people. And why was he doing that? It tells us right there in the gospel reading, verse 36, this, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. The people were so helpless and harassed that this place within him began to well up with deep feeling for him. Three key words in this verse that help us enter into the scene a little bit better are this one, compassion, and I want to go back to the, to the Greek on these three words because they help kind of, I don't know, they, 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 they help us see it through a kaleidoscope. This word compassion in the Greek, the root of the word is the word for intestines. And if you think about it, we actually have an English idiom that expresses, I could, I, I could feel it in my gut. And that's what this is getting at. This is what Jesus was feeling. It's like from the gut, Jesus had this tender affection, these mercies that came from his gut towards the crowds as he looked out upon them. Next word, harassed, in the original means to be vexed, to be troubled. But I like this phrase especially, trying to capture what's going on with that word, to be, quote, in a sorry plight. To be harassed, to be in a sorry plight, and then helpless. And at the root of that word uh, is, is the word for like to throw or to cast. And so to be helpless, put into the passive voice, it's like to be cast down. To be helpless, to be cast down. Another way it's uh, translated sometimes is to be laid out. So, Jesus, he looks upon the crowds who are in a sorry plight and laid out, and from the gut, he feels tender affection and compassion for them. That's where this whole, the whole rest of this passage finds its source, its energy, its power. Jesus is about to commission his disciples 
to go and proclaim and embody the good news of his kingdom. But before he commissions them on that mission and ministry, first, the first thing he wants to do is he wants his disciples to get a glimpse of where ministry starts. And it's not with duty. It doesn't start with strategy. It doesn't, start, it doesn't come out of a place of fear. It doesn't come out of a place of ego. Ministry starts with compassion. A few verses later, Jesus identifies as the source of that compassion. Where does that compassion come from for us? In chapter 10, verse 8, he says this. We just heard it. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. You have been helpless, harassed, laid out in a sorry plight. You have been vulnerable sheep, but now you know my healing. Now you know my helping power in your life. Now go and be agents of that healing and help for others. Let it flow from the center of your compassionate heart what you do in ministry and mission. Freely you have received, freely give. So the full passage of today's reading, Matthew 9 and 10, it spans both uh, the end of chapter 9 and in halfway through chapter 10. This is an account of Jesus commissioning his disciples to extend his ministry. He's already doing this, and he's saying, now I want you to go and extend my ministry. Here's the central idea of our passage. I'm going to put this on the screen. Thank you. Um, in our passage today, the heart of the message... Everything else I say today is going to be basically unpacking this phrase. Give what you've received. Proclaim and demonstrate the gospel with compassion. Now, Matthew, in good journalistic form, gives us the why, the who, the what, and the how. We just heard the why. Matthew has already spoken to the why. Jesus has said why. Compassion. That's where it begins. That was his response to the harassment and helplessness of the crowds, and that's our why. We freely give what we freely, freely receive. Now, the who. Who is Jesus commissioning in this scene? Now, in that very moment, he's commissioning the 12, them specifically, but in a larger sense, he's commissioning also all of his disciples, including us. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then Matthew names them, one by one, all 12 of them. And it's comforting to look through the list and think about what standard Jesus used to call these particular 12. It makes me think he can use me and you. You've got Andrew. Andrew works with his hands. He's a fisherman. You've got Matthew who works with his mind and his cunning as a tax collector. You've got Peter who will eventually deny Christ multiple times. Thomas who had his doubts about Jesus. Of course, Judith, Judas who would betray Jesus to his execution. This means that you and I are qualified to be part of this commission. All of us. Actually, the fact that there were precisely 12 disciples is also meant to remind us of the 12 tribes of Israel and the fact that Jesus is establishing a new community and the fact that he's not only commissioning these 12, but this whole new community, all the whole people of God are being commissioned. These 12 disciples point to all God's people, and it's always been God's intention that the whole people of God, 
would demonstrate his compassion, demonstrate his healing, demonstrate his salvation to the world. This is not a call for professional Christians like me or others who it's their vocation who are professionals. And it's our job to do this because we're priests or we're clergy or somehow have been, we've been to seminary. This is a call to the whole people of God. And it's always been that way, not just a New Testament call. In Exodus chapter 19, we just heard this read, God tells Moses something and he says, I want you to take this message and I want you to pass this message on to all of my people. This is Moses at the mountaintop after the deliverance out of Egypt. He's receiving the the law, words from God, and God says, now go down the mountain and tell the people this. Here it is, verse 5 to 6, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All of you, you'll be a kingdom of priests. All God's people are priests of the world. As N.T. Wright puts it, I like the way he he, uh, puts this into an image. He says, we're all angled mirrors. And what he means by that is that we are between these two worlds, heaven and earth, God and this world. And between God and the heavens and the earth and this world, we are the angled mirrors reflecting the goodness of God to his creation, the mercies of God to his creation. This is our call in the world. This is what it means to be a priest. At the same time, we are angled mirrors who gather up all the praises and laments of creation and reflect them back up to God. And this is our intercession. This is voicing creation's praise. And voicing creation's laments back to God. And God reflecting his goodness and glory and mercies back to us. We are the angled mirrors of the cosmos. That's what it means when he says, I will make you a kingdom of priests. I will make you a kingdom of angled mirrors. And this will be the role that you have in my creation. So who is God commissioning? Who's commissioned to bring God's healing and his mercies to the world around us? All of us. If you want to grow in this, just so it happens that we are, the timing of this message and a new class that Herb is doing, Herb, Father Herb Bailey is one of our priests, and um, he's starting a new class on this. How do we be angled mirrors in the world? How do we communicate the mercies and the love and the hope that is in Christ to this world around us that is harassed, helpless. And if you want to find out more information, go to our website, look it up. It's not too late to sign up for Herb's class on outreach. So we've seen why God sends workers out into the fields. Compassion. And we've seen who he sends, which is all of us, a kingdom of angled mirrors. Now, what is the commission? What are his disciples supposed to do? Two words capture that proclamation and demonstration. This is our call. This is our commission to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. Look at verse 7 and 8. As you go, proclaim this message. Here's the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And heal the sick. Now we're into the demonstration. It's raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
What does our proclamation mean? What does it mean to say, to proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near? I imagine if you just go out on the street or talk to a friend or neighbor and you say the kingdom of heaven is near, they'll be like, what are you talking about? So what does that mean? What is the message that we're communicating when we say the kingdom of heaven has come near? It's this. Our message is that we can say to everyone around us, God is near to you. And he has always been near to you. There's never been a moment that God was not near to you. They might feel like they're in a sorry plight, whoever you're talking to. They might feel cast down. They might not know where to turn for help. We can enter into their story right there with them. And with compassion, we can say, with compassion, you're not alone. God is near to you. That's what it means to say the kingdom of heaven is near. You're not alone. The source of your being, the ground of your being is is God right beside you, all around you. This God feels it in his gut, we can tell them. He feels what you're going through in his gut that gives him great compassion for whatever it is that you're going through. Concern, care. God has come near to you and your life can take on a whole new meaning. Your life can take on a new purpose. As your story, the story, whatever the, the sorry plight that might be going on that you're feeling, the helplessness you're feeling, that story that might feel like is the main plot of your life can become a subplot. And God's story can become the main plot in your life. And the main plot and the main story will account for that and other things to come in your life. This is what it means. God is near to you and you can enter in. The kingdom of heaven is, that, that to say the kingdom of he- heaven is near also means that you no longer have to carry shame, and we can communicate this to people. You no longer have to carry shame and guilt. Your heart can be set free. You can lighten the burden that comes with all of the remorse, regret, guilt, shame, because Jesus has compassion on you, and he forgives you. He shows mercy to you. Everything you've done, every good thing you've left undone, he shows mercy to you. You can live inside the love of God through friendship with Jesus. This is the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Here's another way to put it. This is according to our Lenten book this year. Every year at Christchurch, we choose a book during Lent, and we say, hey, Christchurch, let's all read this together. So um, this is the book. We're telling you about it uh, beginning now. We'll talk about it over the next few weeks. But it is a book that is just a wonderful, one of the freshest expressions of the gospel that I have seen in a while. And um, it's called The Love That Is God. And here's the message of the kingdom that we can proclaim to others. First, God is love. The love that is God is crucified love. We're called to friendship with the risen Jesus We cannot love God if we do not love each other, and we live out our love from the community created by the Spirit. Each of those are chapter titles. Each of those are whole sections, and we just take a dive into this. This is a summary of the good news of the kingdom right here in a nutshell. That is our proclamation. Now, we can paraphrase this message in a dozen different ways. We can tell our own story. 
to illustrate it. We can tell the story of other people that helps show what it's like, of how God sought after us, how he rescued us from our own particular plights, our own cries for help. We can tell that story. However we communicate it, this is our proclamation. Now remember, Matthew is answering the question, what is our commission? And there were two words, proclamation and demonstration. Let's look at that one for a second. We don't just speak about it. We do it. We live it. We demonstrate the crucified love of God. Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, notice the verbs in this passage. Heal, raise, cleanse. Three words that state our mission in very positive terms. And then drive out in a more negative framing of our actions. One phrase that states our mission in these negative terms, three that states our mission in positive. In other words, we join God in this restoration of lives and restoration of this world by creative acts of goodness that manifest the kingdom of God right here, right now, and by fighting against evil in this world, driving it out. Or as the musician Bruce Coburn put it so vividly, kicking the darkness till it bleeds daylight. I love that phrase. Kicking the darkness till it bleeds daylight. Now, how do we do that? Next section, Matthew spells it out. Jesus spells it out. Matthew tells us about this scene where he says, now here's how you do this. And he gives him really practical advice. He says, it's all about trust, total trust. Jesus tells the 12, don't take any money. Don't take any change of clothes. You don't get to take a carry-on on this journey. There's the clothes on your back, the sandals on your feet, no extras. Put yourself at the mercy of other people's hospitality. That's how you're going to do this, and put yourself at the mercy of God. And he says, you know, the people might let you down as you put yourself at their mercy. But if they do, just shake it off. As a certain minor pop star says, shake it off and keep walking, keep trusting, keep giving, keep giving freely of what you've been given. Move on to the next place and give what you've received and do it from a place of compassion. The kind of compassion that you would feel, he says, down in your gut because you know, you know what it's like to be in a sorry plight, to feel helpless, to cry out, to be laid out. When I think of the challenging words of our passage today, words like proclaim, heal, raise, cleanse, drive out, this can sound intimidating. It can sound like what other people are supposed to do or what other people do for a job or for the living, but this is everyday kind of stuff for us. One example that brings it closer to home is from some of the work in the Matthew 25 initiative and their network and partner ministries This is a ministry of Anglicans across North America who are living this kind of commission out in congregations and organization and lives, Anglicans all over North America, living as sent ones, just as these 12 and all of us are sent out, and in very normal daily ways. Take this example, nursing homes. In nursing homes and assisted care facilities throughout the country, there are Millions of Americans, millions of American lives in these facilities 
It's estimated that about 70% of all Americans will someday spend some of their own life in one of these assisted care facilities. It's also estimated that about 60% of people who live in these homes, in these assisted care facilities, 60% never receive a visitor. Our culture honors our elders less than ever. And already mental health issues were prevalent before the pandemic, and now we all know how much higher they are. Suicide rates have gone up, including in nursing homes. Caregivers in these homes are overworked, as in most of the health industry. There aren't enough post-pandemic kind of labor pool, or the landscape has shifted so much. So a church in Northern Virginia, for instance, has a goal. They want to start, this one church wants to start one or two new nursing home communities to gather whatever believers there might be and then invite others in the community to come and join them. And they've developed a strategy, simple strategy. What they want to do is advocacy, that is find gaps in the system of care for the people that they're loving in that nursing home and stand in that gap as advocates for them. To do training for people and how to love and care for those who are in these facilities. Coaching, resource building. That's their approach to gathering and building a community there. To proclaim, to heal, to raise, to cleanse, to drive out. In a simple way that's accessible. In Albuquerque, another Anglican community there, every Sunday a group of three are on rotation. Three people from a congregation they say, we're going to do this on Sunday mornings. They have an 11 o'clock service, just one service, and they go early on Sunday mornings. And then they go to their own service afterwards. But first, they go to the nursing home in their area for an early service. And uh, sometimes a deacon's available to help lead, but sometimes not. Whether or not there's even a deacon there, it's lay-led in moments where they'll gather around the liturgy and they'll have a kind of liturgical-based moment of gathering They'll have consecrated elements that they have brought from the table that the whole community has shared from and said, you're part of this family too. You eat at this table too. And they'll take consecrated elements and share that with the residents there who join them. And they'll do a prayer book service, share communion, sing songs, some spiritual songs that are often the ones that are known to the generation that they're with. And sometimes they don't know these songs, but the people there will request and some old song and they'll pull it up and play it through their iPhone. And the residents who know it will sing along and they will fumble along trying to sing as well. They print out songs on large print copies. They do everything that's necessary to bridge the gap, to proclaim, to heal, to raise, to cleanse, to drive out. And then they'll follow up that time with some coffee or tea Sweetbreads, they'll ask questions, they'll get stories, they'll heal stories that sometimes make them laugh, sometimes are a bit awkward, and sometimes make them cry. And they just get story time, and then they know how to pray. And they ask if there's any ways, and particularly they might pray for these people, and they intercede on their behalf. Angled mirrors, lifting the praises and laments of this particular people up to the Father, and speaking the mercies of God to these people. These are precious people to our God, treasured lives. And here are some simple ways 
that's very accessible for all of us. So what we're talking about in this commissioning is a call for each of us to look at the simple ways around us that we can live out a life of proclaiming, healing, raising, cleansing, and driving out. So I want to finish closed out with the words of Jesus. Hear them as Jesus speaking to us, Christ Church. Jesus says to us, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have compassion and that it all starts there. And Lord, you have done a work in our own lives. We have been in places ourselves. Maybe we're there right now, laid out, harassed in a sorry plight, feeling where can help come from. For all of us who are in that place, God, Would you meet us with compassion and rescue us? For all of us who know what it's like to have been there and know your rescue, would you generate in us a kind of flow of the compassion from you through us and then compassion towards the people around us with that heart of ministry that we would look out upon the crowds, look out upon our neighbor as you did with hearts that break and desires to see where we can stand in that gap and communicate that the kingdom of heaven has come near to them. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.